0: Hello and welcome to Fantasy Life Podcast, week 14 questions edition. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's a great day to be great. It's a great day to talk ball with not one, not two, but three absolutely fine individuals. Of course, I'm talking about Dwayne, the Rock McFarlane, Chris, the Cincy Storm Chaser, Alan. By the way, we do have some serious storms to be talking about today, so appreciate you, Chris. And finally, back for a second time on the show, Golden Showtime Tate. What's going on, guys? Golden, we'll start with you. You, you know, are the only one here that's won a Super Bowl. I guess
1: that's kind of cool. I'm good, man. Just hanging in there, getting through this Thursday and doing the dad life, the fantasy football life. And the highlight of my day is being on this podcast, hanging with the bros. So let's get it.
0: Let's get it. Dwayne, one week from the fantasy playoffs in most leagues. I know you and I have a championship game to worry about this Sunday, but how are we feeling?
2: Yeah, man, it was nice for us to win that first one last week. Uh, This is like my worst fantasy season in a long time. We're not going to like hang around on that. So I really need a victory in that one, Ian. I need to put some, I need, I need some money back in my pockets after, uh, after a pretty brutal
0: season. Yeah. Keep listening to us for advice, guys. (laughs) Just awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Start there, Dwayne. Chris, uh, you know, I apologize for making fun of, uh, you know, the fantasies just, Let's face it. We have one weather week a year and everyone turns into a meteorologist, but you, a scholar, have actually been doing this since the summer and for years. I remember we literally spent 40 minutes over the summer talking about this weather. So, it's your time to shine, bro, and I mean that, okay? You know I love you.
3: I don't I, I what I I hate this like I, because that's when everybody starts to freak out. Everyone's like, "Oh, because of this, this means that." And it's like you, I don't want to be like the the well, actually guy. Like that's just that's not my style. But no, like we got This pod to talk about it and hopefully throughout the weekend, it does look like conditions are going to improve for a lot of the spots that folks had like originally, like some concern about. But either way, that's why we're here to drop some knowledge on some folks and talk about the game. So let's do it.
0: And with that, let's freaking do it, guys. Starting off, question number one, is this Chiefs offense broken at this point? I mean, Dwayne, you look at the last five games, nine points, 21 points, not included defensive touchdown, 17. Okay, we got 31 against the Raiders, but who doesn't get 31 against the Raiders? And then just 19 in that Sunday night game against the Packers. So again, just throughout the season, it's been Travis Kelsey, some Rasheed Rice, Isaiah Pacheco doing his thing, but we just consistently haven't seen this offense make life at all easy for for Patrick Mahomes and I do wonder how much of this is just the fact that they don't even have that usual deep ball fastball at this point I mean I knew they weren't exactly hooking up a ton downfield you know we've all seen the MVS drops and this and that going on but literally guys with passer rating which no doesn't you know isn't the perfect stat for quarterbacks because it's more of a team passing offense stat just though in terms of the Chiefs offense the passer rating dead last in the NFL Zach Wilson and the Jets have a better passer rating when throwing 20 yards downfield than Patrick Freaking Mahomes and the Chiefs. So, Dwayne, again, it's one of these things where I feel like this isn't the first time we've had this conversation, but we've always said it's Mahomes, it's Kelsey, it's Andy Reid. They're gonna figure it out. It's week 14, Dwayne. Are they going to figure it out?
2: Yeah, I think the truth is probably somewhere between what we saw last year, which was an outlier great season for Patrick Mahomes, despite losing Tyreek Hill. And honestly, having just the the same problems from a weaponry standpoint, like what did they lose from last year? Juju Smith Schuster. I mean, like Juju, nobody wants to play Juju, even if he starts and plays every down in new England right now. So it's not like there was this big change, but this year it's hit the, it's hit the opposite end of the spectrum. But I do think there's something to the weapons. Um, He outkicked the coverage last year, but it's probably more of a middle of the road thing. But Ian, guess how many fantasy performances we've had this year where Patrick Mahomes, who you had to spend a early second round to mid second round pick on occasionally, he might slide into round three of fantasy drafts. Guess how many times he's been over 20 fantasy points this year? I'm gonna go with three. Uh yeah, it's 4. You're very close. He he squeaked one out a couple of weeks ago. He had 20.8 against the Raiders. That's
0: ridiculously low though. I know that's your point. Yeah, yeah, that's
2: not what you signed up for. That is not what you signed up for. I mean, Brock Purdy is outperforming him. Like there's a lot of people like that have hit me in the DMs and stuff and they're like, "Hey, can I bench my homes for X?" And I'm like, "You know, I would struggle to do it, but I understand why you would. And I've had them right back and be like, I benched him. I'm glad I listened to myself. I'm like, I'm glad you did too <laughs> because Brock Birdie has been better than Patrick Mahomes, especially down the stretch here. But, you know, I, I want to get some thoughts from, from Golden here because like when I look at this offense, like just simple me, I'm just a fantasy guy. Yeah, I dig into the data and everything, but it's, it's what you said. We got to get Kelsey going, but there's just this rotation of guys, Ian. And I don't understand why a player like Rasheed Rice, every time we see him, he performs well. Every time they give him a larger role, he seems to do what he needs to do. But for some reason, even with all the injuries they've had, even with the issues they've had, they still will not give this guy a full-time role where he can be out there 85 to 90% of the snap plays. Even McCole Hardman now on IR. A couple of weeks ago, Kadarius Tony missed the game. Plus, you had me out and Jarek McKinnon. And he still was at a 70% route participation. Now, he got quite a few targets that game because he took over all that underneath stuff. but. Golden, what might be going on like that we're not thinking about? Because I know fantasy managers, I get this question all the time. Is it Rasheed Rice season? Is it Rasheed Rice season? Ultimately, we can start him now, but how is this guy not a full-time player considering all the problems they have?
1: You know, it's a really good question because it seems very obvious that he should be an every-down guy, especially once you get into November, December, as they push for the 1-2 seed. Um, and we just keep being left just hanging. We just don't know... What to expect now they get, you know, the, the chiefs get to see him every day in practice and they get to see his, his ups and his downs. So maybe there's something we're clearly missing, but with all the injuries going on over there and what he's done on TV on Sundays, Thursdays, and Mondays, you'd expect him to get more play, more volume, more uh targets because they are clearly a better team when the ball's in his hands, because he can do so much um when he does Get the ball in his hands, he can do screens he can do the the reverses the jet sleep, sweeps he can go down the field, and I think ultimately this this takes pressure off of Kelsey because Kelsey can't do it all by himself. he just can't i mean he's he's tried now he's got you know his girlfriend taking some time away from the football thing, but look you as we get into November December, we need a number one a bona fide number one receiver for the betterment of the entire team. look, you have the best quarterback in the in the world. Um, now you get to back it up, with having someone, um, now we all thought Kader's Tony was going to be that guy, but it hasn't really worked out. We thought, okay, McCall Harmon's coming back, but then he's hurt. So what options do you really have left? Unless you want to be out in two tight end sets and three tight end sets, which I don't think you do. So we're still all playing the waiting game. Um, now this week I do like playing him, um, uh, because you know, I just feel like it's a it's a better matchup, and the Bills have given up some decent amount of points over the last few weeks of receivers, so I will probably pull him out this week.
0: He is a consensus QB5 in the Fantasy Life rank, so with you there. And yeah, you know, Dwayne, I think I'm with you in terms of we're still going to
1: be listing
0: Patrick Mahomes as that starter and probably getting some angry DMs when guys like Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, whoever happened to outperform him. So I think we actually do have Dak Prescott ranked ahead of him this we week. We do, but I think. Yeah, you could imagine otherwise. I toyed but-
2: with Purdy. I thought about <laughs> it. But I just, you know, it's I have them right there back to back. And I, I wouldn't blame anybody if they went with Purdy uh this weekend against the Seahawks over Mahomes. And I, I'm hoping we get the classic old Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. Like let's let's Please. light up the scoreboard for 70 points, you know, yeah. across these two teams.
0: Just Not a dud, man, because we have had so many of these at this point. Seven games now this year where the Chiefs have scored 21 or fewer points. I mean, from 2018 to 2022, they had zero of those games in 2018, and they had one, two, five, and three. So this is truly unprecedented levels of low in this Chiefs offense. Chris, I know you do our Matchup of the Week column every single time out. Always a fun read. You can always find it featured in the Fantasy Life newsletter, which happens to be for free. What a freaking deal. You should subscribe right now. Listen to how organic that was. But Chris, again, with this, I'm guessing it was the Cowboys and the Eagles this week, which was awesome. But man, Bill's Chiefs, this is going to be fire too. Or this one matchup of the week. Like these are both two matchups that in most weeks will be the clear cut slam dunk. Anything sticking out to you here?
3: I think the thing that's sticking out to me is that like the Chiefs just as an offense as a whole like they I wouldn't say that they're they're broken it's just that they're they're worse relative to themselves like we they have put themselves up on such a high bar that not being able to clear it at this point without having a guy like Tyreek Hill there to take the top off of any defense becomes it becomes difficult and to Dwayne's point if you if you can't operate in that world and you're not willing or unwilling, or just can't do it, uh, in terms of putting out one of your better weapons in Rasheed rice, well, then what else do you have to, to lean on at this point? Because for, I think for every season that Mahomes has been the, the their quarterback, they've been top three in your average yards per drive. This year they're like eighth or ninth so still a top 10 offense at least by that measure uh epa per drive i mean again like one of the best in the uh, best in the league i think like number one if memory Ooh. serves but now it's like again still just a top 10 offense so like there's still like, it's still a good offense but that so like broken no it's just can we use them for fantasy no yeah. Rishi Rice is only like the only wide receiver that's finished in the top 12 in fantasy for fantasy purposes. Uh, was it Travis Kelsey? And I think it was, uh, was Noah Noah Gray, Blake Bell, uh, one of the two tight ends Mm -hmm. that that, uh, the first week when Travis Kelsey was out, uh, they've got it like he's been in the top 12, like for tight end purposes. And of course, Pacheco's doing his thing, but from a passing standpoint, the reason that we invested in this offense, Basher Mahomes in the third round, that we expected some development or at least some spike weeks here and there, right? Because we, Folks would draft Tony to see like if he might be able to do his yards after the catch thing and get into the box. Maybe MVS scores a long touchdown uh, if a defender isn't draped over his back. I'm not mad about that play at all. But I mean, that's where like those types of scenarios like we we envision them being the thing that would help at least propel Mahomes forward without having a guy like Tyreek Hill on the roster and without having Rice out there in a full time position. Tony not really uh, doing much. Michael Harmon on IR. MVS uh, you know, getting penalties or whatever. I mean, that's just really not like, it's not giving him the same production as we had in years past. So it's just good enough for football, good enough to keep him in the playoff, uh, in the playoff hunt, but just not good enough for fantasy right now.
0: Versus first point, yeah, broken, probably a strong word. We'll say relatively dented, but it just is crazy, again, with Mahomes being a lot of our opinions. I think the best quarterback we've seen, especially some of you Gen Zers out there. And yeah, just the fact that, again, it's now gone on this long into December, shocking to see. But hopefully, again, we at least get that fun, fun shootout between Mahomes and Josh Allen this weekend. Question number two, fellas, can Justin Fields still lock down franchise QB1 duties in Chicago? And Golden, I want to start with you because we have seen an improvement. Like any sort of, you know, traditional passing metric, Fields has gotten better this year relative to what we saw in the first two years in the league. I don't think it's a huge coincidence this happened when they finally decided to get him a legit number one wide receiver in DJ Moore, who though look now, boys, already is over a thousand yards, and that's despite being under 60 in all five games of the teabag experience. So there have been some legit highs in Chicago Golden but that said we're still looking at a team that is two and six and Fields eight starts this season still taking a bunch of sacks and you know when you see a game plan like last week where it's just one screen after another I do have to wonder exactly how much this coaching staff even trusts him at this point so currently projected to have that number one overall pick from the Carolina Panthers thanks to that Bryce Young trade you know Golden what do you see here like just if you had to guess Dwayne I always use the analogy you now, we don't like saying gun to the head because that's you know not, not very cool. But a Girl Scout saunters up to your door and she's being very kind, but she asks you, Golden, will Justin Fields be the Bears quarterback in 2024 and beyond? What are you saying?
1: I'm gonna say, honey, there are a lot of things we don't understand in life, and that's one of the situations we just don't know. Um, I think they're in a, a crucial evaluation uh period right now. Okay, and I can see it going both ways and i see benefits and 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 no benefits to both ways okay so look if you think if you think justin fields is just about the same as caleb or uh the kid from unc may you go ahead and reset the clock and you go ahead and take uh caleb or may is now if you think you're seeing enough uh, production and growth from him um that you can that you can work with it and you you know can Thinks he's going to continually get better and learn how to pass and, and stay in the pocket and get ball and, and read defenses. Then I think you have a better chance for the future at staying with him. And then you can build around him. But they have a lot of holes over there right now. And we've seen uh Justin Fields play well. And we've also seen him not be clutch. And that's probably the biggest problem with them. He, you know, he's the best running quarterback, one of the best cor- running quarterbacks in the league. No doubt. We all know that. But as a quarterback, you have to be able to throw it. Now, my biggest issue with him is in the fourth quarter um and when they're down within you know 2 to 3 minutes left in the game he has done nothing um in my opinion to to give these give his team uh an edge at winning and so he's not clutch is what i'm seeing right now but if you just look at the talent level through the roof, as we all all agree, and then going into this fantasy season, we all couldn't wait to get us some Justin Fields. You know, knowing that DJ Moore is going to be uh, a sh- uh, intermediate route runner, but also be able to go deep, but also sell y- yards after the catch. You, we all saw free yards from DJ Moore. We also saw Justin Fields taking off and running, but we just haven't seen enough consistency. Now, in Justin Fields' uh, case, he's dealt with two head coaches. And two different offensive coordinators over three years for any quarterback coming into the league that is not easy. So you can make an argument for both. Um, I think for long term future, I don't mind if you believe in them um, uh, hanging on to them and building around him. around him. But also, if you like, if you think Caleb's just as good, go ahead and it, the cheaper option is going to be take Caleb and then let it ride and hope he ends up being. What we expect him to be. But a a lot of GMs have said, we think Caleb um, is going to be a top 10 quarterback in this league. We think he does a lot of things. Justin Fields does even better. And so that could be a case. But I would hate to be the GM in that situation. I mean, there's I mean, is there really a right answer? Only time will tell.
0: Again, it's hardly been the best environment. You look at their defenses, they've 22nd, 32nd, 27th in scoring, but again, does come down those wins and losses. And to golden point, to Golden's point, we actually haven't seen a ton of fields again doing enough to go ahead and get that W, despite all the time the Bears have spent trailing, just two career fourth quarter comebacks. And yes, it's awesome that he got one last uh, you know, in week twelve last time we saw him. But you know, when your offense scores a total of 12 points, it becomes a bit less impressive there. So, guys, Dwayne we have Fields ranked top eight. DJ Morrison that's top 12. I know you shout out on the uh, flagship show that you love his over like 68 and a half receiving yards. The only concern we had with that was the potential weather, and that's where our guy Chris comes in. So, Chris, I am citing Kevin Ross Weather Edge, always free over at Rotogrinders.com. appreciate you, Kevin. But per the forecast, we are seeing likely dry winds 10 to 15 miles per hour with gusts up to 20, temperatures around 40 degrees in your professional read, not professional, but you. Studied it a shit ton opinion, Chris. What do you think here about the weather impact in Chicago? Do not care.
3: Do not care about the weather at all for this particular matchup. Uh, from the research that I've done and for folks that want to check it out, I did a in-depth uh, weather piece like over the off season. Go check it out at fantasy.com and to Ian's point, free, free 99. All of my research is free for y'all to take a look at it, So go and take a look at it. But uh, the break point for any concerns for drop in passer rate, drop in completion percentage accuracy issues uh even plays run i mean the the parts and pieces of what typically would go into most projection systems how we would look at games and how potential offenses would interact all that seems to break after you get past 20 miles per hour and gus i I know it gets reported and this is not just nothing against kevin roth nothing against anybody else that looks at that type of thing but Obviously, gusts are going to be the much stronger component of uh, like when you're reporting wind. And so you get to report a much larger number, which sounds cool, and then gets more impressions and all that. Not saying uh, meteorologists or people doing that stuff are trying to engagement farm, but that is essentially the way that gets eyes on people say, oh, 20 mile per hour wind gusts. But a gust is something that's unpredictable. A gust is something that you you never know when that's going to happen. So if you don't know when that gust is going to occur, and we don't even know how the ball is going to bounce or who the ball is going to go to, why would we care about gus? So no, I don't, I don't care about it. more, it's more the sustained winds. What can we actually plan for? And if it's going to be well under the threshold for concern, right now I'm seeing around like 13, 14 miles per hour uh in the direction of the stadium. Uh so soldier field it points, it has a zero degree azimuth, points straight north and south. Uh the winds coming out in the northwest. So if there's no uh no concern for a cross breeze. Even kickers, if you wanted to go that route, I wouldn't in this matchup. But even if you want to go that route, shouldn't be affected at all. So it, for this matchup, while it I think in the original forecast, it was going to be some snow in the area, not even a factor here. So you should at least be able to invest in the same elements that you would for this game. DJ Moore, fire him up. I, I have no problems with uh, with rostering him or any of the other typical pieces you would, especially given that we're just one week
0: away from the fantasy playoffs. Chris is out here considering the cross breeze. Just from now on, Chris, when I ask you a weather question, say yes or no, because Lord knows you have put in enough work to rationalize whatever it is that you're saying. Yeah. (laughs) What? <laughs> he is like, what the hell's an asthma? <laughs> I was just yeah, like, yeah. sounds right. Could, could be a made up. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to question him. but uh, yeah. the article Chris did cite does wind matter in fantasy football published it back in July. You can go ahead and Google that and find the goodness, but I love to know you have in there, Chris, about since 2018, 1,311 regular season games, only 48 have had recorded wind speeds north of 20 miles per hour. And as Chris points out in there, when you actually start digging into the individual quarterbacks in that study, a lot of times good quarterbacks stay good, bad quarterbacks stay bad. So it really is more of a case by case basis. And in this case, we are not concerned. Before we get to our next question, guys, I want to give a shout out to our presenting partner, partner, I should say, over at DraftKings. Freaking love you guys. We're back with another week of football and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers week after week. Fantasy Life has partnered up with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports partner of the NFL. And right now, they have an offer you do not want to miss. All customers can get a no-sweat bet on any same-game parlay or same-game parlay X. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up using my promo code, QUESTIONS. And if you're a new customer, you are definitely going to want to listen up because right now, guys, on DraftKings, new customers who bet just $5 will get $150 in bonus bets instantly. Wondering what you can even do with your $150 in bonus bets? Well, you can combine multiple bets together for a shot at an even bigger payout. And if sports betting is not yet available in your state, don't worry. You can still join in on all the fun with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. All customers can use my promo code QUESTIONS and get a no-sweat bet. Get a bonus bet back if your same-game parlays bet loses. Again, that's a maximum reward limit applies. And that's promo code QUESTIONS only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Question number three, fellas, are any Broncos capable of booming down the stretch? So, Dwayne, been a situation where, you know, I always, unusually about Tuesday, make my way over to your amazing utilization hub, go through the backfields and the wide receiver groups and just see what's been going on in the last week of action. And for Javante Williams, man, like ever since getting back from that week nine bye, it's been almost RB1 level, like upside RB2 level utilization. I haven't quite gotten that production, though. Three straight finishes outside the top 25 running backs after getting that awesome PPR RB5 finish in week 10. So upcoming schedule, they get the Chargers, the Lions, the Patriots, and the Chargers again. I get it. Lions and Patriots. Those aren't layoffs for running backs. But man, you would like to think we can get some legit booms here in weeks 14 and 17. Overall thoughts on Javante Williams and if anyone else is interesting you out there in Denver right now, Dwayne.
2: Yeah, I think it really is Javante just because they've just changed the way they want to play football. Early in the year, they were dropping back, throwing it quite a bit. But now if you look at their drop back rate over expectation, which essentially we just take every team, we've got all the plays over the last three years from the NFL and we can see them in every scenario. And it mostly has to do with the score, like how much you're down by and what are the conditions of the game. Like they are throwing the ball minus 6% versus the league average once we take all those things into account since week eight. So this is now a run first operation. I mean, these are big numbers, minus seven, minus seven, minus 13, minus nine. There was a plus seven percenter against the Vikings in there. So they, they could still like pivot if they need to in a certain game. But yeah, I do think that Javante is the guy you've got to lean into because this is how they want to win. And the other part of it, Ian, is just how much they want to use their running backs in the passing game. And we've known this with Sean Payton. Like, I did a study on this, and the, I say a study. I just went back and looked at you know which coaches had the most targets to running backs since like looked at numbers. We'll call it a we'll call it a study. I think <laughs> it's a model. Yeah. <laughs> but by, well, well, I didn't claim a model on this one. By by far though, it was it was Sean Payton. Like, and I don't even remember now, but it was but it was by a large percentage he has targeted the most uh, he's sent the most targets to running backs. And it wasn't just a Drew Brees thing. We're now seeing a guy in Russ Wilson that used to push the ball down the field and he is dumping the ball off to these backs. I mean, if you look at Javante Williams, 30% targets per route run, that's one of the best marks on the season. Then you go to Samaje Pirine. He's at a 24% targets per route run. Oh, Jalil McLaughlin also in on the act 36% targets per route run. So if we are to pick a receiver, it is Cortland Sutton. The challenge is we just, you know, we know they A want to run the ball, and there's just not a lot of passing yards to go around. If you look at Russ over the last several games, 186 yards, 134 yards. He got 259 against Minnesota that game, but then 193, 114, 194, 95. So And they've been winning in these games. You know, they did lose last week, but they've been winning these games. So it's really reinforced the way they want to play. Their defense is playing better. So I do think it's Javante. I I think one of these games Sutton's going to come through with a bigger, uh, you know, box score if he can catch two touchdowns, but they just don't throw it enough to make him a consistent threat to be someone that can, you know, enter that top 12 conversation. So
0: he really profiles more as like that mid-range wide receiver three. He's got a touchdown in nine or twelve games this year, but I heard on the broadcast last week when he did catch that like nice 45-yard bomb, that was his first one of the year that actually came outside the red zone. So yeah, Dwayne, it is surprising that he hasn't had percent
2: blow up. Yeah, 45% of the end zone targets go to him. That's a very high number. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a good number is 30%. He's at 45%. So basically yeah. half the time that they throw to the end zone, it's going to Cortland Sutton. Yeah. Can
0: you imagine uh a- that number would be at 0% if Tim Patrick was still with us. Uh, I don't think about that every day. <laughs> Golden, your guy, Russell Wilson, from back in the day, certainly won a lot of games together. Look, he's improved this year based on last year for sure. But let's face it, that was in the 32nd-ranked scoring offense. That bar was not high. So, yes, it's great to see Russ already at 21 touchdowns, only had 16 last year. But if you look at most metrics, you're going to see that while he was better than he was in 2022, we still haven't quite gotten Seahawks-Russ down there in it with uh, Broncos country. So, When you're kind of watching the Broncos, uh, you know, just on a weekly basis, Golden, like, does anything stick out with this passing game? Because I did see after the game where Sean Payton even noted that Russ had Jerry Judy open deep, you know, two, three times out there and even said, you know, if you guys want to go pull up the film, you can find it. And there were plays, like, admittedly, where Judy was streaking downfield now varying degrees of pressure. I don't know his progressions or anything like that. But, you know, as someone that obviously has spent plenty of time with Russ, that's on this Broncos offense because to Dwayne's point, it is surprising we haven't got more booms out of this passing game in general this year.
1: Yeah. Um, like you said, Russell is playing better, but that's not to be confused with playing good. Um, what the, the, we we've expected so much more the second year in this offense, uh Sean Payton coming in here, just wrecking stuff, and like you just look at the athletes they have. We thought they would be much better. Now, in this division, I didn't think they were in the division at any point, but I thought for fantasy purposes judy would be eating uh would be eating um russell would you know be able to score seven or eight touchdowns with his feet just running in and we just kind of haven't seen that but they're winning so the real life part of it they you know went on a little winning streak which none of us really expected but they're getting back to just trying to control the game um you see they're running their rushing attack is much more efficient uh, trying to snatch up a lot of clock. And if, if it wasn't for the turnovers last week, I think they probably would have won that one as well. Um, but Russell at this moment is is kind of been a liability. Um, and like you said, Sean Payton, he's he's missed Jerry Judy, which I don't understand how you have Cortland Sutton over Jerry Judy as far as a receiver. I think I, I love Jerry Judy's route running. I love his ability. Um, I wish they would target him more. But for some reason, when it comes down to it, we just keep, you know, let, let Denver hang around long enough where they're down, you know, three, four points. Cortland Sutton's going to find a way to come down with the key catch to win that game. And so if anyone, I think I probably would trust Cortland uh, the most if I were to start someone.
0: You know. The Golden's point, even without the turnovers, like they were driving down. I think they finished that game like on the Texans nine yard line before Russ threw that end zone pick. So, quite possibly could have been, you know, their six straight W if things had gone differently. But just haven't seen the offense keep up with this improvement in the defense. And in fact, guys, we haven't seen this offense gain more than 300 total yards since all the way back in week seven against the Packers. So, hey, you know, getting the wins. I understand that is the end goal at the end of the day. But yeah, not exactly the fantasy haven meet we were necessarily hoping for. Let's move on to our next question, guys. What exactly is going wrong with Justin Herber and company? And Chris, we'll start with you because on the one hand, like, you know, I see it on Twitter. There are a lot of people that just are tired of people like us, you know, making an excuse after excuse for Justin Herbert, And he's just not winning enough football games. So we can talk about the offensive health, Keenan Allen playing through the pain. I mean, even Quentin Johnston and Jalen Guyton, their healthy, you know, options are still popping up on the injury report with various issues. We've also got, you know, the schedule to consider, you know, a date with Kyle Hamilton, and the Ravens followed by a rainy affair in Foxborough, isn't exactly, you know, what we would call smash spots. So the that's on you know this just many skib we've seen the uh, Chargers be going on Chris because if they can get their minds right man maybe just maybe we finally start getting some booms again out of this group right when it matters in the fantasy playoffs. Did
3: we have this conversation last week? I thought You're we having it again this it. week. I, I, I think we like ranted on just like the issues with the Chargers, but just because from from Herbert's standpoint, it's hard to uh, of course. For most quarterbacks, uh, you know, they are the leader of the team, face of the franchise. I mean, all, all the all the superlatives. And you want to put like a lot of the blame on them. But I think Dwayne mentioned this last week. I mean, from an advanced metric standpoint, it's it's hard to say that like he is the problem. Part of the problem, sure. But I mean, this is now the third straight year in a row where uh like they that the Chargers rank or Herbert has a piling in offense that ranks uh, like they're the top seven, top eight in drop rate. Uh third straight season. I mean, that that's got to be frustrating. That's got to be one of those like mental break, like, uh, you know, like almost a mental, uh, I don't know, something that winds up like breaking your brain as to how every year, something like this continues to happen. I mean, they've lost, I mean, their average, uh, their average drop in EPA, like on, on drops right now is like negative 1.09. Like they're almost losing like a full point of EPA, like when they when they drop the ball, just because it comes in those situations where it's like, you have to make that catch. I mean, like how many times have have people scrolled through social media to look at like not just the fact that Quinton Johnston like did drop a ball, but when he drops the ball on those yeah. key third downs in the fourth quarter, when they're driving something along those lines that causes either a turnover or the turnover on down, something like that. And it's just, and it seems to happen consistently. So I go back to what we discussed when we were ranting on the chargers beforehand, I mean, this comes down to like some of the, just the foundational problems, like with that, uh, with not just the offense, but with the team as a whole, how they've built, how they structure this offense around Justin Herbert. And if without any sort of change, I mean, like we, it's not to, it's not to say that we could have, uh, you know, a hindsight bias, like being what it is, but I mean, Quinton Johnson was drafted, like before what, uh, Jordan Addison and Zay flowers. Yeah, it's bad. (laughs) That's, that's, that's rough. That's, that's really rough. Like when so many folks wanted, uh, a a field stretcher, somebody to access or to allow Herbert to continue chucking bombs downfield, could you have gone a route that will at least allow the offense to stay more efficient? Could you have gone an offense? Like, could you go on the route to allow Herbert to just continue to work the middle of the field and allow the receivers to work after the catch and continue to move the, move the ball, move the chains and, and all those things. So I think I mean, I wouldn't say like, that's, uh, like what, what's exactly wrong with Justin Herbert. I mean, there's, there's so many key factors to it right now. It's, it's hard to point to one, but it's just, I think to me, it just comes down to like how, like how they're structured, that offense, the personality has around him and again, like instill problem, more problems along the offensive line, which just made things just tough. Like for Herbert this year,
2: I think that is exactly the problem. Like, I mean, he just doesn't have the (laughs) weapons. Like if we look at the best offenses right now in the NFL. It's not some elite quarterback just dragging along a bad cast. We just got through talking about Mahomes. Josh Allen, even though he's played great, he's had his own issues, right? I mean, they've got Stefan Diggs. Now we've got Dalton Kincaid starting to come along, but like now they're probably going to shove Dawson Knox back out there and take him off the field. And they're going to have problems. If we look at the best, you know, offenses in the league, it's probably not guys we think of as being, if I was starting a a, a franchise today, quarterbacks I would take. Tua, what does he have? Tyree kill Jalen Waddle. And they have a run game and a dude that in a Chan that can just break one from anywhere where the 49ers have CMC yeah. Debo, Samuel, IU Kittle, the best off, the best defenses in the league cannot account for that many playmakers. Like if you look at what you're dealing with, with the chargers, a good defense can take away Keenan Allen. Like that's just the bottom line An okay. Defense can at least bottle him up and let him not beat you. The only thing that you can really beat right now, if you're the chargers is a bad defense and like, it's the rule of three. If you have three really good weapons, even the best, even the very best defenses are going to have a struggle to take it away, especially if you have a quarterback that can get through their progressions and they know what to do at the line of scrimmage. I mean, we can go on the Lions, Amon Ross, St. Brown, plus Laporta, plus you get Gibbs out of the backfield and they've got a run game. You've got to worry about with money. The Cowboys have CD plus Cook sprinkled in Jake Ferguson sprinkled in. So I think like the best offenses we're seeing in the league clearly they've surrounded to your point chris they've got all these weapons the one thing i'll say with the chargers and we said it last week i think they had the right intent they got unlucky mike williams got hurt they paid him a lot of money quentin johnson's a bust right now like not i don't want to be out on him for his whole career but right now he's a bust as a rookie and these things happen like you know we're not perfect at picking who these guys are like we create these models and things for rookies and It's all about percentages, like even guys that score really well, like it's like, okay, 70 percent of the time this guy can be a top 24 receiver. Well, 30 percent of the time they suck. So, I mean, some of these picks just don't hit. I think the intent has been right for the Chargers. And then I think you just look at Austin Eckler and the high ankle sprain not being being as explosive when you just have that. And Keenan Allen, I think most defenses don't really they're not losing a lot of sleep when they face the Chargers, but I don't think it has anything, in my opinion, nothing to do with Justin Herbert. I think you put Justin Herbert in the Dolphins offense, maybe the QB one in fantasy, put him in the 49ers offense, QB one in fantasy, put him in the lions offense. He's a great QB. So I think it's all about the weapons to your point, Chris.
3: Yeah. I mean, right now, who's it? Tyler Algier still has uh, Tyler Algier has more rushing
2: yards than Austin Eckler. Jeez.
3: Devon, a chains has more rushing yards
2: than Austin Eckler.
3: It's like, yeah, like back in the
2: day, like, like Aaron Rodgers used to get by with just Devonte Adams, but they had the threat of a very good run game and yeah. they used uh, Aaron Jones in the screen game. They would get him isolated against Lyme. So they had other wrinkles in their scheme that were enough to say, okay, great. We don't have a number two or three wide receiver, but Rodgers could still come out and have those huge fantasy seasons because the defense still had to respect the run, at least some other aspect of the offense. And right now the chargers it's Keenan Allen or bust. That's all they have. Mm-hmm. I mean, they look thought- at the Eagles from
3: just this past week. I mean, do you limit, you neutralize A.J. Brown. I mean, you get beat by Devonta Smith a couple of times. But if you don't have, like, Hurts clearly isn't right right now. So if you don't have the threat of a running game in order to do anything, I mean, that that's what puts a lot of the focus on, like, the Eagles offense as it is right now. So, yeah, I think, I think you're right, Dwayne.
0: Eckler coming back from that injury. Dwayne mentioned the Mike Williams injury. He only got to play three games. I mean, just when Joshua Palmer was starting to actually make some plays, he gets freaking put on on IR. So I hope he's back. But even bigger than the lack of rushing production, Chris, has been Eckler's lack of receiving production. I mean, just 7.4 PPR points from purely his receiving numbers. I mean, he hasn't been under 10.6 dating back to 2019. 2019, he was literally doubling this number and averaging 15 PPR points per game just from the pass game work. So golden I mean when we have an offense like this where they had a lot of talent I mean Kellen Moore is going to forget more about football than I will ever know in my life so like I'm not saying that his plan isn't sound but when you have an offense like this that's dealt with so many injuries like it is week 14 now how much can you actually put into a new offense or maybe the Chargers say well maybe it does make more sense now to feature Gerald Everett and Quentin Johnston because we have all these injuries how much can you change what you're doing on offense this late in the season based on the personnel and how much of it is just you know guys we used need to execute better.
1: I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, there's not much you can do to put in the offense besides little sprinkles because, you know, maybe a new play here, a new play there, um, you know, window dress to create matchups. But ultimately, the way I see it, they have to stop dropping the ball. Like you said, uh, Chris, earlier. Like, I mean, they lead the league in drops right now, and you have one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And I know that you're missing Palmer, you're missing uh, Mike Williams, and now you only have uh, really Keenan and Quentin. Just has not done anything, been a bust at this moment today. But, geez, your NFL wide receivers with one of the better quarterbacks in the in the league. I think drops you can change. Get your but get your butt on the jugs machine and catch a hundred balls a day. But dropping the ball and losing because. My, our group is dropping the ball. Just is completely unacceptable because we we all agree that Herbert is well for the most part. Herbert is not really the problem now. Kellen Kellen Moore is still trying to figure it out out there, and you know it's a little bit different. Not it's not the Dallas Cowboys that he was with. Austin Eckler is definitely definitely hurt um, and just battling. And he you know I guess they feel like he still gives them a better chance when he's on the field. than, I guess having Joshua Kelly out there a ton. But um, I remember seeing like. I remember seeing a few weeks ago, Austin Eckler actually broke one and he looked like he was running in slow motion. And I was That's like, so oh bad. my, oh, that, I was like, man, he is. sidelined."
3: sideline, yeah, I remember that. that yeah, bad. I was
1: like, okay, he is not right. And he is, you know, not really a threat because he's, you know, Austin Eckler is just shifty enough to make you slot off and then he goes. And like, now it's just like, like Baywatch running on the beach. Um, so, <laughs> it's it's going to be hard for the chargers but you know as a san, i live in san diego and obviously been here and watched them come and, and you know and leave and it's just we almost feel like they they're cursed and the chargers don't deserve Justin Herbert they don't really deserve Keenan Allen although he's been there the, his entire career but they they have a little bit of time but they're running out of time um but ultimately it goes back to just catch the ball catch the ball, then Justin Herbert has more yards, potentially more touchdowns. You score more than six points and maybe the season can be turned around
0: that drop problem was never more evident Then, you know, the last time we saw this offense score more than 10 points. And that was against the Packers where no short of five scoring drives were legitimately killed by drops, whether they were touchdowns, fourth down conversions, absolutely brutal. And to Golden's point, that has been a habit all year long. Dwayne, I remember talking on the Sunday night podcast after Eckler had that viral slow run and equating it to that, like David Johnson run from five years ago. If David Johnson had had, you know, 30 yards of clean runway, that's how bad it looked. And let's face it. Man, things haven't been looking that much better. And we even got this quote today from Brandon Staley on competition for carries in the backfield. Competition for carries is going to be something that you can see happening. We're going to keep exploring, making adjustments so that we can find that rhythm that I've been talking about. Dwayne, my first impression was this was this is a bunch of coach speak that he only said because someone specifically asked him about this. But I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, maybe Joshua Kelly having a bigger role moving forward.
2: Well, we'll have to go to coach speak index and we'll see what the reliability rating is on usage or utilization. Uh, But yeah, it it feels like coach speak to me. I saw the same thing, Um, but here's the challenge. What are they going to do? We've seen Josh Kelly. Like Josh Kelly is, he hopes to be as good as Austin Eckler right now with an injury. Like even though he's fully healthy and Isaiah Spiller, their fourth round pick from two years ago, he hasn't been able to get on the field. So I just don't, I don't feel like they trust him. I don't know where they're going to turn and suddenly think that they're going to get more. I think the answer is just get Eckler more involved out of the backfield in the passing game. You know, just make him an extension of the passing game. Maybe not hammer him as much on the inside. Um, Just, you know, try to try to offset things a little bit that way. They need Josh Palmer back. They need a second weapon that defenses actually have to cover every play to help open up things and maybe help reduce some of those drops that Showtime's talking about as well. Speaking
0: of the Coach Speak Index, always appreciate those guys. 65% reliability rating on both Depth Chart Coach Speak and Usage Workload Coach Speak. Solid so, Dwayne, work, I'm feeling pretty good about that. All right, fellas, let's move on to our next question. Just how scary is this Ravens defense when considering Rams' fantasy options? And, Chris, I wrote this question earlier in this week, you know, just completely looking at, like, the tough matchup. I mean, we got a Ravens defense that has been shutting down opposing wide receivers each and every week out. I mean, they're coming off the bye. Like, pick whatever advanced metric you want. It's going to tell you this group is one of, if not the single best defense in the NFL. So, they got that going against them in LA. But, oh yeah, this is also clearly going to be one of the worst weather games of the week with current forecast saying it's going to rain a lot Sunday. And the worst of it, while it could end up coming after the game, even in that scenario, Kevin Roth thinks the game play Wet with light rain and the winds are gusty too, fifteen to twenty miles per hour with gusts around thirty. So we already got the word in Chicago. Chris, we're not worried there. How are we feeling about this Baltimore game?
3: So I took a look at it, and uh, the easiest comp that I can put to it right now is actually the the week one matchup between the 49ers and Bears from last year, like where it was rainy. I think it was what like you saw the players like sliding, you know, across the field and, and all that fun stuff. Just uh, that, from the rain standpoint. Uh, That's the one I'm more I'm more concerned about, because that's where you actually see more teams uh, lean into some of their their uh, like their uh, lean on the run game a bit more uh, plays uh, like the run fewer plays. And of course, like with the ball being a bit slippery, and I'm pretty sure Golden can attest to this, uh, like ball security then becomes becomes more of an issue drop passes, fumbles, like just those chaotic things that can happen that we can't really uh we can't plan for there's no projection i'd uh, like for as good as Dwayne is i'm pretty sure he can't project like when an interception is going to occur off of a ball just like going right through a, a player's hands mm-hmm. into a defender's arms uh but like that those are the things that that tend to happen in those types of games so that that would be just like my my biggest concern uh but i don't want folks to overreact to this uh, if you're if you were still looking at a guy like let's say uh like odell beckham uh, to like to slot into the slot onto your, on, into your wide receiver to flex spot uh, with the targets per run rate that he had before they headed into the bye. Okay, cool. Uh, Pukunuku, Koopa Cup. I know Cup's really getting more cardio than targets these days. Okay, fine. I mean, if you want to look at like either one of those two guys, but it's just the ancillary uh, pieces to it. Uh, if you were still had like on the fence about Isaiah Likely's position in Mark Andrews with Mark Andrews out, okay, cool. Uh, I mean, any of those other guys that you had at least some thoughts about, I would break ties in favor of whomever else like you were considering. That's typically how I approach like this type of game.
2: Like a really good example right now. 76% of lineups over on Yahoo have Cooper cup in them, but they that's a, that's ahead of DJ Moore, Devonte Adams and Nico Collins. Now, Nico may have his his own weather issues. We could maybe hit on that game at the end, Chris. Like, I'm probably starting all those guys over Cup. So I think that's what you're trying to say. It's the tiebreaker stuff. It's not just an automatic, you're benching Cup. But if you got DJ Moore, DJ Moore should not have a lower starting percentage on Yahoo right now than Cooper
0: Cup in this game. That's exactly it. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Trooper Cup, sadly, not even cracking the position's top 24 options in Fantasy Labs consensus ranks. That's how bad things have gotten here. Golden, I know you got to get going here in a minute, my man. We appreciate your time. But last thing, obviously spent a big chunk of your career with Matthew Stafford. You know, he got to play in the friendly confines of that Detroit Dome, and then he gets to go to sunny L.A. to spend the last few years. What do you think about Stafford in terms of going into this, you know, cold, rainy game in Baltimore? Is he up for it, or are we going to see maybe a little bit of a mess out here?
1: It could be a little bit of a mess. I think Stafford's definitely going to be able to still spin it. And being playing in the cold is not an issue. He's t- tough as nails, so that won't bother him. But he does throw a very heavy ball. Um, and if you don't, you got to have a strong grip for one and also them leather gloves to, to pluck it. I, I remember when we would play in, like, uh, in Seattle and he would throw, I'm trying to body catch everything because it's just you, you see it fine and you feel it fine, but the ball just slips right out. And so that could be an issue. Um, I could see, you know, Cooper and 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 Puka having a day, but catching a bunch of option routes where he bodies them up and they, you know, take eight yards, then another 12 yards and, and kind of get their points that way. But as far as the down the field, deep throws, I I, I just don't see that being a, a big part of this game. Um, it, but both teams are, should probably just lean on the run game. I mean, Kyron... Just keep feeding him. Just keep feeding him. You, you can give him screens, and let him go. He's a phenomenal athlete and can make some plays. But, man, I tell you this, I would much rather play in negative 18 snowy weather than a downpour rain uh, with Matthew Stafford or really any quarterback for that matter.
0: Great stuff from Golden. Again, I want to reiterate that Kyron Williams absolutely locked in as a top 10 running back this week because we are seeing that snap rate north of 90% and feeling great about it. So weather's not going to impact him. But... Guys, you know, this goes right into our next question, but I'm also going to make it about me because, you know what? I'm hosting this podcast, so you guys have no other choice in the matter. But moving on, is, I mean, I should say, are Brandon Cooks and Jake Ferguson suddenly weekly must-start options? And I want to start with Brandon Cooks and not quite leave this Cooper Cup storyline yet, Dwayne, because I agree with you. When we talk about Devontae Adams, DJ Moore, I don't even think it's close. You have to play those guys ahead of Cooper Cup. But when we start looking down the consensus ranks, which you guys can all see for yourself at FantasyLife.com, I mean, Cup is right next to guys like Rasheed Rice, DeAndre Hopkins, Brandon Cooks, Garrett Wilson, and Jaden Reed. And as someone in my lovely, you know, kind of pathetic, but it is my home league, eight team league out here, I specifically am deciding between Cup, Jaden Reed, and Brandon Cooks. So is the weather enough of a tiebreaker for you with those guys, Dwayne, or is Cup where he is now because of you already kind of incorporating that weather tiebreaker in the first place? Well,
2: when I first make the ranks for the week, like I honestly don't even care about weather because it's too far away. Like i you no, glance at it, good. but you just don't let it impact too much. So cup will have to come down if it is still projected like by tomorrow evening to be a downpour. And I could see why you would go to Brandon Cooks on a tiebreaker because you've got an elite offense playing in a great spot versus, you know, an offense that's yeah. been okay, but playing in a really tough matchup plus bad weather. That could be challenging. Um, like when I look at cooks, I don't think he's a must start option, but I could see starting him over Cooper cup this week, especially in your scenario where you've also got Puka Nakua. I, I, I do think you have to weigh those sort of things. I don't in this kind of matchup with the potential stuff all going on. I don't want to start both of them because you know how hard it's going to be for both of those guys. Now you could get it wrong and it, you could guess you could bench cup and he's the guy that, that actually scores 17 fantasy points and Nakua scores five, but at least you can live with it. I do think you're giving yourself a chance for more upside by picking one and one. So if you're taking cooks plus taking, you know, Nakua, I I totally get it. I I will say with Brandon cooks, boom, bust wide receiver four still, as far as his profile goes, I mean, he's not getting a ton of targets. Like we hope he gets like four a game basically, Mm -hmm. but he's catching touchdowns because the Cowboys just keep scoring all these points. So I can't tell you that he's just going to suddenly stop catching touchdowns. And, In the occasion where he does get the blow-up game, we have seen what that looks like. And like you could get another one. uh, Because we just saw that, what was that, three weeks ago now, where he had 10, it was week 10, when he had the 10 targets scored 32 fantasy points. It's not the normal game for him, but he's
0: probably going to get one more of those before the season is over. And there also is the point with them, like, yes, I, he only had two targets, one catch for 70 yards against the Eagles back in week nine. But I would like to think Philly, after watching CeeDee Lamb go for a buck ninety-one against them, is going to deploy a slightly different strategy, accordingly giving Cooks a few more chances. So, sadly, boys, you know, what I love to do in tiebreakers is lean on, you know, my team namesake, whoever I named the team after. But when the team name is two Cooks, one Cup, now I'm in, in, in an even bigger pickle because now they're both in that as well. So, <laughs> Chris... Thoughts on, you know, Brandon Cooks, Jake Ferguson, who, my God, talk about an alpha performance last week. Just going, you know, nose to nose with Jamal Adams, you know, leaping over people. Just great performance from Jake Ferguson. But, you know, we now have seen Cooks and Ferguson really become pretty solid options. And, you know, ahead of the game of the week here, thoughts on, you know, firing up these complimentary uh, pass catchers in Dallas, Chris.
3: I think I agree with Dwayne, like from a tiebreaker standpoint with regards to Cooks. I mean, it's just it's really just that triumvirate uh, like Lamb, Cooks and Ferguson that are the, they're the only three pass catchers attached to a deck with a greater than 10 percent target share. Now, which sounds great in theory. But again, if you are only relying on four to five targets uh, for for Cooks, then I think that becomes more of a all right, well, what can like who are you starting him over? So like to what we were talking about earlier, if it's a Cooks versus Odell-like type standpoint, okay, cool. I mean, I can kind of break ties in favor for Brandon Cooks, like given the game situation. But Jake Ferguson, I mean, my goodness. I mean, yeah. he is tied with CeeDee Lamb in Red Zone targets as of right now since they're, since they're week seven by, if memory serves. Uh, like Or even like in, in uh, targets from inside the, inside the 10-yard line too. Like Dak is looking his way like as early and as often as we'd like uh, for fantasy purposes. So like Ferguson, 100% I would agree with him being like a weekly must-start option. Uh, again, just looking at the rest of the tight end landscape right now. I mean, if we were thinking about Dalton Kincaid being like one of those guys, but like we were talking earlier, I mean, if the Bills try and shoehorn Dawson Knox back into the offense and that becomes a bit more convoluted. Most folks are already on Trey McBride. Pat Frymouth after his outburst last week was back into, you know, I'm just going, going to catch, you know, a few targets and wind up with like 30 yards or whatever, uh, against the Cardinals, which was objectively one of the better matchups on the week, but whatever, not mad about that at all. Didn't start him in any leagues or anything like that. But, but I think just from a volumetric standpoint, I think Ferguson at least aligns with, uh, like he's, he stands out as the, the weekly must start option cooks is just more of a, who else do you have? That you'd want to consider over him. And I think in most cases, if you are like waffling over a low end wide receiver two, wide receiver three type of flex type option, then especially in this matchup is one we would assume to be more of a high scoring affair. And with the way that Prescott has been playing so far over this last, like this five, six game stretch, like I would potentially, I'll probably lean cooks, but again, it just depends on who else you got.
0: Wayne, I'm looking at your tight end ranks, and you do have ASAP Ferg or Turt Ferguson, whatever you want to call him. As your tight end seven on the week, he is behind only Travis Kelsey, TJ Hawkinson, Sam Laporta, George Kittle, Dalton Kincaid, and Taysom Hill. We'll make sure Taysom is going to be fine. I know he didn't practice on Wednesday, but I'm right there in agreement with you. I think the question comes down to, though, how do you feel about Jake Ferguson if we happen to get healthy versions of Dalton Schultz and Dallas Goddard back in action? I thought I saw Schultz actually got downgraded today after getting in a session yesterday so again we'll need to keep an eye on this but goddard is expecting to play so i know a lot of people out there are just kind of you know having these weekly tussles with their mid-tier tight end one so thoughts on those tiebreakers
2: that's the tier i'm gonna slightly lean to ferguson though over goddard because he's still coming back from the health issue and he's got to deal with two other alpha target earners Ferguson mm-hmm. only has to deal with one. We also know the Eagles are very willing to lean into a running game script. The Cowboys have not been for multiple weeks now. They're a past first offense. That's their identity. So I do lean to Ferguson slightly over, t- over Goddard. But I do think, you know, as the season goes, they're the same tier. We do have to keep an eye. I know we've talked a lot, you know, this week in fantasy about the re- potential return of Dawson Knox and that impact on yeah. Dalton Kincaid. So maybe Kincaid falls down into this tier. But one other low-key thing, Peyton Hendershot was activated off of IR. They've really waited a few extra weeks on this. So I'm leaning towards not worrying about it and just assuming they've waited so long, even after he was healthy. I think they really like Ferguson as the guy. But over the first three games of the season, when Peyton Hendershot was around, He had a 48%, 24%, and 36% route participation. And in those three games, Jake Ferguson had his lowest route participations of the year. So even though he was earning targets, he wasn't getting on the field as much. So not going to worry about it too much heading into week 14, but definitely will be interested to see what the utilization tells us after this game. There is a potential that we will have to give Jake Ferguson a slight downgrade if it suddenly turns into a split again.
0: Just, you know, it's one more guy, Dwayne, where we see a white tight end with a number in the upper 80s catch the ball. And we just have no idea who actually has it until they, you know, get announced <laughs> by the announcer. So, you I'll know, it's not'
3: Ferguson until somebody says otherwise.
0: I hear you. But, you know, Luke Schoomaker caught a touchdown the other week. And I swear I was, to God, I thought it was I thought it Ferguson. Was, I yeah. thought it was Ferguson, too. I was like, sweet as Ferguson. But then I looked at it. It was like, wait, who the hell is 86? It's Goddard and Ertz all over again. But now we have what would be even number more number
2: surprising player. would be to see Mozzie Smith stuff someone on a run play. But oh. anyway.
0: Oh, hell let's yeah. leave. <laughs> let's leave
2: the cowboy draft picks of Schoonmaker and Mazda. Oh my I don't want to get depressed
0: we will see. I mean, this is just the first game of a monstrous stretch the Cowboys have to go through. They're, again, facing the Eagles at Jerry World this week, and then in Buffalo, in Miami, and then back home against the Lions in Week 17. So Dak Prescott keeps playing the way he's been playing against this stretch, I think it's going to be tough to rip that MVP trophy away from him. But right now, my vote is on Tyreek Hill because I think he's been consistently the most elite player regardless of position. And just because mainstream media wants to only include QBs in this award, we can take back the MVP award. This is America, everybody, and I'm not going to rest until we see a wide receiver get proper credit. So guess what? The EPA police, the CPOE police going to come knocking on your door if you insist on crowning Brock fucking Purdy as the MVP, even though he's the sixth best football player in his own offense. So sorry, wanted to uh, just get that off my chest. But yeah, guys, now on to our weekly DraftKings sponsored Bold Prediction segment, obviously sponsored by DraftKings, where, you know, we try to get a little bit bold around here. Now, one of us happened to tell you all that Isaiah Pacheco is going to go off last week. Maybe that was the first prediction I've gotten right all season. Regardless though, we're hot. We're trying to go streaking here and with that, fellas, I'm going to say that Zach Moss is the one to rebound this week from his down week 13 performance. He goes for 125 plus yards and not one, but two touchdowns out there. I assume I'm leading the fancy life rankings with Zach Moss because I have him ranked all the way up there as the RB6 and that's a Apparently low so i'm being a chalk eater this is uh not I was going right to say yeah where rb3 <laughs> i think is where Friedman rb3 oh, at. man let's <laughs> go oh,
3: man the stones Whoa, man it's this just amazing. man it's just the
2: dude averages 24 opportunities per game without yeah. taylor it's insane yeah. so but yeah I, I love the call by you though Ian.
0: well it's a i don't know i kind of hate it now this is embarrassing but chris can you get us back <laughs> on track man jeez i watched the film I'm, I'm trying to cut through i'm trying to count out like How many
3: other, like, like, how many other players? So how does, how's party the sixth best one? Trent Williams, Debo Samuel, Brandon. Trent Williams. Well, I guess, yeah, because in the games that he was out, yeah, that was their, that was their losing Mm -hmm. streak. Yeah, I'm with you now. I got it. I'm with you. Okay, i was trying to think. I was like, "Man, are you going to put Jawan Jennings over Brock Purdy?" I mean, damn, <laughs> couldn't, bro, couldn't like, figure that, out the fifth. <laughs> that, that's that's tough scenes right there for for Brock. Uh, but now I'm gonna I'm gonna flip it back to weather real quick, just so folks have a quick understanding of where well like of where I'm at like for like for for Sunday. Uh, right now, we already talked about the uh, the Rams uh, Rams uh, Baltimore game. Uh, wind and rain in that one less on the wind side, it's down to about like 14 miles per hour. Uh, but it is going across the stadium. So if you are rostering like Justin Tucker, at least, at least have some concerns uh, about that. No snow in Chicago, no concerns there. Cleveland, it's going to have at least light rain in the forecast as of right now. So not a concern, but at least something to monitor, like heading into Sunday. The only other game that I do have at least some mild concerns about uh, is going to be the the Jets-Texans game. So that one, uh, to just break it down real quick. Uh, anything over, and you can go to, uh, uh, I use weatherunderground.com because it actually reports what the precipitation rate is going to be on an hourly basis. Anything under 0.03 inches per hour, you're not even going to see it. Like it's on the normal broadcast, you typically don't see like under like 0.03. Uh, it's just going to be more of an, an annoyance. They'll talk about it. They'll say like oh the weather's like you know the rain's picking up or whatever it's bullshit it doesn't really matter Uh, but anything over 0.06 inches per hour that is where you start to see it that's when uh, like on the on the normal broadcast and that's essentially going to be the average throughout the entire game And it's actually going to pick up more towards the back end of the game 0.09 anything over like 0.1 inches per hour that is where you start to uh, that's when you start to edge up against uh, like the week one matchup that I just referenced between the uh, the 49ers and Bears from last season. Uh, what was it? The 49ers and Colts from uh, a couple of seasons ago, like where Carson Wentz was like dropping bombs to oh, Michael yeah. Pittman in the rain week seven. Ravens, uh, I think. Yeah, I think that might've been. I thought it was, yeah. I think no, might've it
0: might've been, right. been the 40. Those games are back to back. I think you're right. Yeah. Sorry though. <laughs>
3: uh, and then even going back three seasons, I think it was the the 49ers and uh, Commanders. Although they weren't called Commanders at the time. Uh, like week 10, if memory serves uh, against the uh, like when they were playing against them, again, uh, another one of those like heavy rain like types of games. And that's the way that things are shaping up uh, for uh, like for that particular stadium. So. So, Chris, say- you,
2: you see it at .06, but where does yeah. the precipitation really become a factor for performance? Is it that .1 you're yes. talking about?
3: Point oh, yeah, point one is when it starts to fall off, like as it starts to tail up towards like point one, uh, that's when it everything starts to okay. like go to hell afterwards. And you'll see that towards the back end of the game. At least that's the way it's projecting right now is in the final hour or so, like for that matchup, it starts to trend back up. And that's Cleveland, like the, Jacksonville. No, that's for the uh, the Jets, Texans game.
2: Jets, Texans. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Come on. Don't do that to CJ Stroud.
3: I know that's tough. Like that's actually one of the games where I was like, I was kind of interested to try and uh, see how that's going to look now with the new offense without tank Dell being there. But yeah, that's another one. That's the only other one on the Sunday slate that I'm
0: concerned about, like from a, from a rain standpoint. Great stuff, Chris. And I'm also happy to announce Zach Moss is not my RB2 on the week. So you guys all <laughs> need to catch up. Uh, Dwayne, Dwayne, send us really off. With a really good process you guys there. Yeah, I got yeah, you are like, Oh, now. I got him lower and he's my call. I'm going to move him higher. That's my <laughs> uh, rankings roundtable strategy. I like this oh, guy. Yeah. I'm now going to move him up higher than the rest of everyone else. So Dwayne, yeah. send us off with a DraftKings sponsored bull call.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with two here. Um, you know, so I'm going I'm to kick in one for Chris since he did the weather. I'm going back to Jalen Waddle. Because like Let's the, the targets, everything is there. It's an, it's an elite offense. We've called it, but it hasn't happened. But he's still getting the targets. That's the thing with Waddle. So if you look at him over the last three games, 23%, 29%, 33%. Week 8, he was at 28%. So like he is so due, Ian. So I'm going to go ahead and call this one seven catches for 116 yards and two receiving touchdowns for Jalen Waddle. Oh, but I'm going to go a little deeper here. And I'm going to go to a guy that nobody trusts. Everybody is down on this player, and I get it. I'm with you, but Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts last weekend surprised us with a 90% route participation. Uh, That's something we haven't seen since week two. If you look at him over the last few games, he's actually been earning targets again, getting looks. But I'm going to say five for 105 and a tutty for Kyle Pitts. I can't go with the two because that's just not realistic. It would be bold, but not realistic. I think think that's pretty bold for (laughs) Kyle Pitts. But like looking at him, I mean, if you look at his air yards per route run 2.29, that's one of the best marks in the league, not, not just, not just tight ends. So it just literally takes a couple of plays and I know, I know Desmond Ritter is not good and I know there's been struggles with the offense, but it's just one of those scenarios, Ian, where there's enough of these targets. He only needs two catches to essentially make his day. And then if he just sprinkles on a couple of other catches, like you're over a hundred yards and you get the touchdown. And this weekend on DraftKings, if you are playing DFS, only thirty seven hundred dollars. So this is Ooh. a guy priced down under four K. I really Dang. like Kyle Pitts this weekend.
3: So gonna Dwayne cr- is going to be the reason my kids aren't going to eat on Sunday <laughs> night because it's
2: going to it's going to flame out. I'm going to roster him everywhere. Oh, uh, don't blame out. me, man. Yeah, hey, you you roster Kyle Pitts at your, uh, at your you know what risk. you're getting We into. know Arthur Smith.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was waiting. I would have laughed so hard, Dwayne. You're like, so yeah, I'm going with Kyle Pitts this week. We're getting bold and four catches, 55 yards, no touch. That, that's that's that, that is bold <laughs> for him. That's bold. Oh, my goodness. All right. And with that, everyone, going to wrap up this edition of the Fantasy Life Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in, as always. And just know that you can find, again, all of our content, as well as our always free newsletter over at FantasyLife.com. You know, want to help out the pod and subscribe? We surely would appreciate it. But otherwise, good luck. Get those rosters right ahead of the Fantasy Playoffs. And don't be afraid to make a great start to sit decision. So for Dwayne, for Chris, for Producer James, I'm Ian. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, take care, everybody.